0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Jesus came, the King of Heaven, came down to earth. Hallelujah, we thank you, oh God. We thank you, Lord. It can't be lost on us that Jesus, the King of Heaven, came down to earth. The, um, I read a story uh, a couple weeks ago. A woman, uh, I believe by the name of Mary Daniels in Jacksonville, Florida. She, uh, her husband, a few years ago, got diagnosed with dementia. And so they put him in, a, in an assisted care facility. And so every night, Mary Daniels would visit her husband at this assisted care facility and put him to bed. And her seeing him or him seeing her every day and talking with her kept his mind alive. It kept his memory going because it was a constant. But then COVID-19 happened. And for a hundred days, Mary Daniels went without seeing her husband. And so Mary Daniels, she didn't just sit idly by at a certain point, she said, I don't I don't know when this when the restrictions will be lifted. So you know what I'm gonna do? She started to get food service training and started to get CPR training so that she could get a job washing dishes at the assisted care facility. She went, she got a new job, a new role. She took on a new uh, pseudo-identity and almost so that she could spend time and look at the face of the one that she loved. It's a it's a picture of Jesus coming down from heaven so that he could spend time with the ones that he loved, so that he could save us and he could rescue us. Listen, it's a, um, a modern-day example of uh, Soren Kierkegaard. Soren Kierkegaard was in, was in the uh, 1800s. He was a Dutch Christian philosopher, Christian theologian, and he wrote a fable called The King and the Maiden. And in a truncated version, the king and the maiden goes like this. There's a king who uh, gets smitten with a, with a maiden, with a commoner. And he says, how can I pursue her? How can I win her heart? And so he thinks about it and he says, maybe, maybe I can invite her to the castle and I can try and, uh, I can try and win her heart that way. And, he, and then he thinks about it. He says, no, because maybe she might come to the castle and get caught up with the glitz and the glamour, and I'll never know if she really loves me for me or for the castle and all of its, all of its rewards. So then he says, maybe I'll go to her. And then he thinks about it, and he says, no, um, if I come with the chariots, with, with all of my, my crew, all of my, my people and my entourage she might get afraid and she might just agree to whatever I say, even if she's just out of fear, even if she doesn't really love me for me. So he says, here's the only way that I know how. And and this is how the king and the maiden written by Soren Kierkegaard ends. The king, convinced he could not elevate the maiden without crushing her freedom, resolved to descend to her, clothed as a beggar, He approached her cottage with a worn cloak cloak, fluttering loose about him. This was not just a disguise. The king took on a totally new identity. He had renounced his throne to declare his love and to win hers. Can I tell you something? That's exactly what Jesus has done. He has taken on a new identity. He renounced his throne to come down and win our hearts. The Savior has come. Can anybody say amen? Amen. The Savior came for you and for me. This is how C.S. Lewis put it. C.S. Lewis said, The coming of Jesus Christ into this world represents a truth more profound than all of philosophy. He came. The, the difference between Jesus and all other religions is that Jesus acted and Jesus came. All other religions, are they, they put restrictions, they put rules on man to try and reach. Jesus said, no, I'm gonna come down and reach for you. Yeah. you. He came, the Savior came. And last, two weeks ago, Pastor Josh talked about the fact that the Savior came to save us Last week, Pastor Jovan talked about the Savior has come to shepherd us, and he started the story that I'm going to finish today, the story of the wise men, the story of the Magi, who followed the star and came to Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says this, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And we know you know, from last week, if you were with us, if you're watching online, uh, Pastor Jovan talked about King Herod and his motives were not pure. His motives were not, he was trying to find an angle. He was worried about Jesus coming and his throne being usurped. But the Bible goes on to say, after they had heard the king, And having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. We pray with me, God, we're just overjoyed, overwhelmed at the fact that you came from heaven down to earth so that you could save us, so that you could rescue us. But God, the story doesn't end there. You want more for us, oh God. So God, right here, we, we have our, our, our hearts open, our hands open, our ears open. We say, speak to us. We want to live out the fullness of the life that you've offered to us, oh God. So God, speak to us through your word, your servants, your people. We're here and we're listening. We love you. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. So these, you know, Christmas is all about God coming all the way from heaven to earth. But this story is about him wanting us to be led from earth to heaven, right? We can experience heaven on earth in God's presence. And the star is there for the wise men to lead them and not just lead them in a general direction, but to lead them in a very specific place to the feet of Jesus. And that, the whole premonition of that. The, the wise men, um, they come from far away. A lot, of, a lot of culture will try to put names and, and say it was this one and this one and this one. The Bible is very uh, hands-off when it comes specifically to who they are because they want us to know that they are not, the simple fact is that they are not from Israel, but they are Gentiles from somewhere else right? Matthew is a gospel that focuses on the kingship of Jesus. And right away in Matthew chapter 2, it wants to establish that Jesus did not just come to be king of one specific group of people, but he came to be king of all people. Those, the wise men, they came from far away. They came from another nation, right? Jesus draws us from far away. He draws us from all aspects of life. He draws us from low and from high, from close and from far. There's nobody outside of the reach of Jesus. There's nobody that Jesus did not come for. Those wise men, they came from afar, but they came close to Jesus. If you're listening here, if you're in this room, if you're online, Jesus came for you. Jesus came so that you could be led to him. And the Bible, and the, the way that I wanna, I wanna um, put this today is that star that's there, it says that it went ahead of them. And so what a, what a lot of uh, scholars and, and commentators point out is that that star, it's always kind of giving them the next step. That star, it's not just leading them to the town, but it's leading them to the exact place where Jesus lay. That star, the Bible says it went ahead, meaning that it guided, it directed, it gave them a specific path. And I wanna talk to us today about the title of the message is the Savior has come to direct us. The Savior came to save us, like we heard two weeks ago. He came to shepherd us, but now he came to direct us. We're not supposed to sit idly by in our lives, but God came so that we could live a Zoe life, an abundant life. He has more for you, and he wants to direct you. This whole, you know, our world, it can get, our lives, we can get derailed when we get misdirected. Pastor Jovan talked about it a few moments ago. He said he has has to get his tires aligned because we hit potholes in our lives. We have to get realigned. We have to get redirected because misdirection, it can derail us. Think about the wise men. They're following this star, right? And on their path, if they had taken a little bit of a different path, we've talked, you know, we've heard this before, but one degree now can mean miles of separation later. Meaning, imagine that you're taking a a flight right now and, you, and you're, you're taking a flight from Chicago to, let's say, Los Angeles. There's a path. There's, a, there's a, an angle there. But if you go a little, a couple degrees off, just a small misdirection, it can be miles off when you land. Okay? So the misdirection, it can play a huge part. And the, the wise men, they know they have to follow a specific path for that, for that star. Misdirection for them... It could have derailed their worship because when they, when they arrived at the, at the site of Jesus, they got down to worship. What can happen for you and me is if we, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes life can get so busy that my worship, my devotion can unconsciously take a, take a, a backseat to other things. In an honest moment with God, sometimes, our worship and our devotion, our prayer life, it can take a back seat to other things. And what happens when that starts to happen is, is your worship starts to get derailed. You never, you, you go to the star, you might go to the star, but, but you never actually get to the feet of Jesus. And what happens is when that happens for a few days, then, then Sunday, uh, Sunday service and communing with the body, Tuesday night prayer meeting, it starts to be a little less important. And then over the course of weeks, when that starts to be a little less important, you know, you know what starts to happen? Is you start to get derailed in your purpose. Don't let, don't let misdirection derail your purpose. Sometimes we start to prioritize other things a little bit and just, just with small decisions, small actions, we, un, we unknowingly and just un, without realizing it, we start our, derail, our purpose starts to get derailed just little by little. And then when our purpose starts to get derailed, misdirection starts to derail our fill-in-the-blank, our relationships, our vocation, our careers, our education, the things that we prioritized. When we, you know, think about it. My own my most honest moments are at the altar, and I say, God, I surrender this to you. And God starts to make things real. But then, but what happens sometimes is we we leave the altar and we go out into the into the throes of life, and other priorities start to take over. And when those other priorities start to take over, you know what happens? Is we start to have small misdirections. God says, no, today, I wanna direct your life. Today, I want to direct your life so that the right things are the right things, so that the right priorities are the right priorities, so that your worship, so that your purpose, so that your mission, so that your relationships, your career, the purpose that God has placed you for, so that those things are fully realized. God wants to direct your life today. And there are two different ways that this text really highlights the way that he wants to direct us. Right, He wants to direct every one of us. That's why it's significant that these wise men, they came from the East. They weren't part of that nation. They came from somewhere else, but God still wanted to direct them. God wants to direct every person here. He has a plan for you. How does he want to direct you? He wants to direct you by leading you to himself. But the ways that he wants to direct you, number one, he wants God, the Savior, he wants to direct your path. Every step of your path, he wants to direct. The, the, the wise men, they, came, they went on a journey and God directed them all the way from wherever they went, all the way to that manger, all the way to the child, right? Some people believe um, uh, that, that they came from, uh, from Persia. Uh, there's a map and in that map, So some people believe that they came from modern day Baghdad, right? So let's imagine that they did. Maybe they even came from further east. But if they came from modern day Baghdad, that's 224 hour walk with no stopping. That's uh, um, 1,100 kilometers, which is over 600 miles. That is not an overnight journey. That is a long journey. That is a a months long uh, journey. uh, traversing of terrain and of a lot of overnight camping and a lot of, and by the way, it wasn't just them three. It wasn't just three wise men. It was a whole host of, of people who were carrying supplies, a whole host of, of security and detail, a whole host of, of people carrying everything that they were bringing to Jesus. This was not a simple little road trip. This was a major, major excursion, a a once-in-a-lifetime journey, and where they go, I want you to notice, they go 1,100 kilometers. But right here, if they're going on this road, which this might even be short, they're going at least 986 meters above ground, and. Uh, uh, or above sea level and, uh, and up to negative 354 meters below sea level. So there's a lot of ups and downs. In God's journey for you, there's a lot of ups and downs. It's not everything is smooth sailing, but on every, if I were to, to, to press that button and show you all the directions, there are like a hundred different turns. There are turns and turns and turns in your life, but God wants to direct every little step. God wants to direct every little step. Don't believe me? Look at, what, look at what the Psalms say. The Lord directs the step of the godly. Everybody say directs. He directs your steps. He delights in every detail of their lives. God wants to direct all of the steps of your life. Not just, not just what church you go to, not just what city you live in, not just what school you go to. No, he wants to direct your, you know, when we, uh, when we pray for, for kids to be dedicated, Pastor Toledo always prays, he says, uh, um, he says, choose their friends, choose their teachers. God wants to choose your relationships. God wants to choose the conversations that you have this week. God wants to choose the, even the way that you're thinking about your job. He directs the steps of the godly. Every little step. Yesterday I was here at the um, I was here at the church because a staff member, Landon Davis, got married yesterday. And it was beautiful. Uh, got married to Crystal, and Pastor Jose was was officiating the wedding. Now, Landon, he's such a fixture of our church, and he does so many things behind the scenes. He uh, he serves our youth and our next generation faithfully, and and um, just so well, and. Pastor Jose was, you know, he's such a fixture that I forget about when Landon was not on staff. And Pastor Jose was telling the story of when he first met Landon. It was not here in Chicago. Landon is from Springfield, Illinois. And Landon, uh, one time when he was 18 or 19, uh, somebody asked him to serve at a youth camp. And it's the youth camp that our youth go to in the summers. And Pastor Jose was there, and he struck up a conversation with Landon that resulted in Landon moving from Springfield a month later to Chicago and attending Chicago School of Leadership. So I want you to look at that. Landon, at first, is asked to, uh, to serve somewhere. And so he, he could have said no. He could have said, oh, I'm busy. He could have said, oh, I need to, I'd rather work and make money. But somehow, I don't know the details, but somehow Landon made a decision that his, and his step was ordered by God. Then somehow a conversation happened between Pastor Jose and Landon that led to Landon walking in another step ordered by God. Now, three to four years later, think of all the decisions that we make in our lives in the course of a year, three to four years, and Landon over and over, there's a lot of decisions to be made, but over and over he says, you know what? I'm supposed to stay in Chicago. And now God is propelling and blessing his life. For you and for me, there are, there are monumental decisions day in and day out that God is presenting to you that he's ordering your steps and he's saying, hey, just come and walk in it. Amen. He's directing your steps. And look, this, there are a lot of different ways that God directs your steps. But even in this text, there are four ways that we see. Number one is when you let God direct your steps, stand on his word. It guides you away from destructive decisions. Find any decision that you make. Find a Bible verse. Find something from the word that you can stand on. I was talking to somebody this week, and they said, I'm making this decision and this decision and this decision. I said, that sounds great. What Bible verse are you standing on today? They said, oh. And I said, listen, those decisions, they could be God." but make sure it is by finding a word to stand on. Because the reason that we stand on the word is there are gonna be opposing forces that come up against us. And we wanna know, God, I made this decision standing on your truth, not on my own emotions. Standing on your word, not on my own fears or premonitions. Standing on your word, not on my own ambition. Jesus wants you to stand on, your, on his word today to, to make a decision so that when you make that decision, you know it's not just you out there, but you have the confidence of God with you. Amen. Stand on his word today. The, uh, the, the wise men, they're on this journey. They're, a thousand, they're, they're hundreds, maybe a thousand miles away from home. And Herod comes to them. Now, Herod, they, you can't tell me that the wise men knew all that they knew and didn't know uh, the reputation of Herod. Herod had, um, in protecting his throne, he not only killed people around him, he killed his own wife, he killed kids of his because he thought that they were a threat to his throne. So Jesus being born is a threat to his throne. And, And you can't tell me that the wise men were unaware of that. So the wise men come and they find Herod. They didn't run from that. Why? Because they had a word that Isaiah 60 or Numbers 24, they all say that there's a star in the east and that, and that they're going to go find him. The, they knew God's word and they said, no, we're a part of God's plan. We're going to press on in God's word. Amen. So God wants to give you a word so that when, when obstacles come, when opportunities for fear to creep in come, you can say, no, I'm not standing by myself here. I'm standing with God. The other way is, another way is you got to follow the spirit. The spirit, it sees past your plans. So look, the, um, the, the wise men, they had, a, they had a journey. They had a route to go find the star. But on the way back, what happened? Did they go that same route? No, they went a different route. I don't know what route that was. They, God didn't tell them right away what route that was, but he said, hey, go a different way. This, his spirit spoke through to them in a dream. Sometimes God's spirit speaks to us in a dream. Sometimes it speaks to us through a different person. Sometimes it's the inner witness in our hearts. You, you ever been in a conversation and you have a response that comes up, but then you say, ah, oh, something's telling me not to say that. Sometimes that something is the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God's spirit, is an inner witness in your heart saying, hey, restrain right now or go and act right now. But we gotta be close to him. We gotta be close to him. God wants to direct you through his spirit. Another way is pay attention to prophecy. You see, the wise men, they have these prophecies that they were waiting on. There were 400 years of darkness where God didn't speak to his people, but they were holding on to these prophecies. Prophecy will prepare you to align with God's will and God's, and God's word. Sometimes God will, will give you a word. Sometimes will God give, will give you a word through somebody else. Sometimes God will alert your mind and your heart to something in your life that you're like, wait, why am I, why am I so burdened for that? Or why do I feel for that thing? Sometimes what God's doing is he's preparing you to be ready for something new. I've gotten words before and I'm like, ah, uh, that's something I'm not really trying to hear right now. And then something comes up and I say, that was God preparing me. God, is pre- God might be preparing you for something. God was preparing those wise men to go on a journey where they'd have to go through obstacles and enemy forces in order to bring something to Jesus. God is preparing us today. And the other thing is celebrate your providences. You know, sometimes we just have to embrace reality. Sometimes when we're being led by God, when, we're being, when God's trying to direct us, sometimes we, we, we get too peripheral in our vision. God is directing our steps, but meanwhile, we're looking over here and we're saying, man, why is my plan not like so-and-so's? Why is my upbringing not like so-and-so's? Why is my gifting not like that? Why are my resources not like that? No, God's saying, I'm directing your steps and I have put you in a position to be useful where you're at. God wants to use you where you're at. Don't forget the fact that any room that you walk into, God is with you. And God wants to use you in that room. God wants to use your voice. God wants to use your presence. But you have to celebrate your providences. God, you have providentially put me in the place that I'm at, and you can providentially use me in the place that I'm at. God wants to use you. I, uh, you know, sometimes I have, uh, I look at this and I'm like, God, you can direct my path. But sometimes I I have issues with God directing my path. This morning, I I woke up and you ever feel like you like you stole time? Like I woke up early this morning, earlier than usual, and I just I was running early to to church, and I was like, man, I have extra time. Like I feel like I stole time today. And then and then I I start to get on the expressway, uh, um, by my house, and and it's closed off. And they say, uh, they say, detour south on western. And I'm like, if I go south on western, that's the opposite way of church. I, I know better. I'm going a different way. And so I go to the next exit. Well, that one's closed off too. And so I go to the next exit. And, and I actually got on that exit. And it took me not northbound, but southbound. So before I know it, I've been in the car 20 minutes and I'm like 20 minutes further from church than I should have been at church already. But I didn't take the detour route the first time. I thought I knew better. Anybody ever see directions and they say, no, I know better. You know what? God is giving us directions all the time. Sometimes we say, oh, I know better. Meanwhile, we're just setting ourselves up for more destruction, for more disappointment. God's saying, I wanna direct your path because I know the best way. You may not know the end result, but trust me in the next step. God wants to direct what? Your steps. God wants to direct your steps. God wants to direct my steps. We don't always know better. Anybody ever ask for for directions from like a gas station like you're lost? Not me, because I just can't do it. There's something in me that won't let me ask directions. And it says a lot more about me than I care to admit. We have to say, God, direct me. But then we have to say, God, you directed me in that step. Okay, I'm going to take that step. This week, there might be steps in your relationships. There might be steps in simple conversations that you have that God is saying, hey, there's there's just this small thing. I wanna just, I just wanna redirect it a little bit. I just wanna, it's been misdirected a little bit. I just wanna bring it this way. There might be, there might be steps that, you want, that you're taking as you prepare for 2022 that God's saying, hey, I wanna direct that, let me direct that and then let you walk in it, and you experience the joy and the abundance of God's provision there. I, um, you know, even yesterday, somebody asked me, they said, what's, your, what's a day-to-day like um, as a pastor at the church? And I, my response was, uh, it's different every day. And, and I'm, I'm thinking through different days. And then on my way home, I thought, God, uh, I thought about the steps that I take during a week. I thought, God, how many steps do I take that weren't directed by you? I couldn't answer that because I said, God, I, I, I look to you at the beginning of the week and I look to you at the beginning of the day, but man, there are a lot of steps that I take that, God, maybe you have a different direction for some of those. In an honest moment, maybe God has a different direction for some of the steps that we're walking in today. Some of our relationships, some of our our career choices, the way that we do business sometimes, God wants to just gently realign us, gently redirect us. And that leads me to the second thing. Sometimes the Savior, he not only wants to direct your path, he wants to direct your provision. Everybody say provision. Provision. He wants to direct the resources that are in your hand in where they go. And he also wants to direct the resources that are in his hand and how they get to you. The Magi, the wise men, I don't know about you, but I am so bad at wrapping gifts that I will put every gift in a bag. Put it in a bag, put paper on top, all good, right? So if I go, if I'm bringing gifts to my family for Christmas, I'm just bringing a few bags, you know, and, and even if it's, um, I, I'm so bad at wrapping gifts that even if it's like you ever get a gift card and you put it, it's like in a little gift card box. For me, it's either got to go in an envelope or I'm putting it in a bag because I can't wrap that box. So here's the thing. I bring those gifts and they're in like little bags or little envelopes. And that's what I always pictured the wise men doing bringing like a little, a jar, like a, a block of gold, right? Or a, a jar of frankincense and a jar of myrrh. That's not it. The Bible, I want you to take that picture in your mind that, that culture's put in there and just erase it. That word treasures that's in the Bible, it literally means this, it's caskets of valuable goods. So they weren't traveling just alone. They had people who were rolling, who were, who were maneuvering these giant caskets that were, was full of gold, full of frankincense, full of myrrh, full of these lavish gifts for Jesus, the son of God. Now, Jesus, this, them bringing gifts to a king was not something new. This was something that they did regularly or not anytime there was a new king. That's why Herod was so threatened because he said, wait, that baby, he's not a, he's not a king yet, I'm the king. When, even when King Nero, an evil king, was, was enthroned, they brought him gifts, but here's the difference. They brought gifts and then they worshiped. There's no other account of magi from the east bringing gifts to a king and then worshiping. For you and for me, God wants us to bring our gifts, our resources our time, our money, our energy, our talents and bring them to the king in an act of worship. That's what we do when we take an offering. But it's, it's more than that. Yeah, our, so, for, so, so for some of us, you know, the, um, see, when, God, when you have God's attention, he starts to give you his full support. So they brought these gifts and notice that they bring the gifts, but then after surrendering the gifts, right? After surrendering the gifts, God gives them a different path and he saves them from danger. He also, they're probably a lot more nimble, right? I I won't show the the map again, but on that map, there's like a clear route and then there's a lot of space that's probably desert. Like I don't see any roads there that they're going another route, but somehow there's another route. Guess what? There's another route because they don't have to carry those big caskets anymore. When you surrender your gifts to Jesus, they're in his hands. He can do a lot better than we can do with them. We're not carrying them around, but here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. I didn't create this word. This word was was chosen by, by Matthew when he wrote his gospel. There were different words for gifts that he could have used. But he used that Greek word that's translated treasure. But it means caskets full of valuable goods. The gifts that we bring to Jesus, they're just in a casket. They're just dead until we bring them out and we present them to him. They are no good until they're presented to Jesus. Does that mean that every little thing in your bank account you present to God, it doesn't mean that you bring it and you put it in the offering plate, but it means that he has control of all of it. He wants, when the Bible says, bring your tithe to the storehouse, maybe you don't tithe. Jesus is challenging today. He's saying, hey, do find, you know, uh, uh, put your life on my word. Put your life on my word. Stand on my word today. He's saying, hey, bring that tithe to the storehouse. Trust me with 90%. Bring that 10%. Trust me to do more with 90% in your life than you can do with 100. Trust me. You, 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 uh, maybe you didn't make a, that job choice because, because you're like, well, that's less money or that's less provision, even though I feel like God might be in it. Trust God with it. Take that, take that leap. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you, there's a decision, and you're like, I don't know where that where that's gonna come from. God's saying, trust him in it. Bring that, bring those caskets to him and unload them. Somebody was telling me the other day. We uh, a couple of years ago we launched the Beyond Project, and uh, and we were we we're believing God for um, for money to to start our Becoming Center, which we we launched this year. And somebody at the beginning of the Beyond Project, they felt like God. Uh, at the same time, they were uh, trying to sell um, a house that they had, and they said, uh, "They said, God, if I sell, if this sells, if this house sells for this amount, I'll give you this much." And it was a large number. And so, for a couple of weeks, they're believing that God's that this, that the house is going to sell. And then one time they're driving and God speaks to them and says, what do you mean if, if the house sells for that much? Why, why is your sacrifice conditional? Can't you just give that to me and trust me that I'm gonna provide for it? And she's like, uh, and so she's wrestling with it, wrestling with it. And so finally she pledges. She says, God, I'm just gonna trust that you're telling me to give this amount. So a couple months later, huge bonus from work comes in. Part of that amount goes down. Uh, uh, um, a couple months later, a huge windfall comes in and, and, and eventually she's pledged that huge amount. To, and, and meanwhile, she looks and the house didn't even sell. She's like, I still have this house. I, I can still sell it. God still provided for every part of that provision. God wants to direct the provision that comes into your hands, but he also wants to direct the provision that you start to give to the kingdom, that you start to bring to the feet of Jesus. Robert Morris said it this way. He says, how you handle provision reveals volumes about your priorities, ties, loyalties, and affections. In fact, it directly dictates many of the blessings you will or won't experience in life. See, I said it, but the wise men, they were led by God one way to come and deliver the gifts but after they surrendered everything, God gave them a whole new way. God wants to give you a new way of living today. God wants to give you a new way of living this Christmas season. God wants to give you a new way of living for 2022, but God's saying, hey, surrender your caskets, surrender your gifts, surrender your resources, surrender them at the feet of Jesus. Let him direct your steps, not just just for your career, not just for your relationships, in your finances too. Trust him with it and see if he can't provide for the ravens and the sparrows, why wouldn't he provide for you? The other thing, last thing, last slide, but there's a, there's a map they're gonna show. This is a map of Jesus' journey as a child. So at first he's at Nazareth, then he goes to Jerusalem, then he's born in Bethlehem, Right? But then see this route right here, all the way to Egypt. If you read, if you keep reading in Matthew 2, it says that an an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, don't, it said, escape to Egypt while Herod kind of is insecure about his kingdom and he starts to kill the babies. They say, protect Jesus, flee to Egypt. Okay? I don't, I could do the math, but I'm not gonna bore you. I don't know how many kilometers, how many miles that is from Bethlehem to Egypt, but it's a lot. And it's, and it's an expensive journey, especially, how many of you know traveling is a lot more expensive when it's last minute? And so it's a last minute journey. They also don't know how long they're going to be, so they can't say like, oh, we're going to get a, um, uh, a hotel stay for a week. They're like, uh, can we you know, take this week by week? Can we take this month by month? Because we don't know how long this is gonna be. It wound up being a long stay. It wound up being a long journey. It wound up being an expensive one. And historians and commentators all agree that the gifts that the Magi laid at the feet of Jesus, it paid for that journey. Not only that, it paid for the, many, many agree that it paid for the ministry of Jesus on the earth that Jesus didn't need support from anybody as he went and did the will of God because it was already provided for. Can I tell you something today? The journey that God has for you, you're starting to calculate. You're starting to say, I need this, and I have to save this, and I have to do this. Saving, calculating, it's good. Planning is good, but God is the ultimate planner. God has things stored up for you that you don't even know. God has things ahead of you that you don't even know. But when you walk in his steps, he, he determines and he directs one step after another as part of his great plan. It's not on us to know the plan. It's on us to walk in those steps. Will you stand with me? I want us to close by singing. And say, God, I look to you. I love that song because it's so simple. And it says, God, it's just a simple prayer. God, I look to you. I trust you with my decisions. I trust you with my plans. I trust you with my steps. I trust you with my path. I trust you with my provision, oh God.